You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. For those of you who were here last week, you'll recall that uh, we have initiated uh, a two-week initiative, actually, uh, to raise $10 million over the next four years. And inside your worship guide, you'll see one of these. It explains it. There's information there about the what's and the why's. Um, there's also a little card. It's a pledge card, and I'll come to that later. I do want to just bring that to your attention. Um, but it, it's, it's an ambitious goal that encompasses all three campuses. One of the things that we discussed last week was the fact that God, in, especially in the Old Testament, God would speak to a group of people. And so the message was to the group, but even in the midst of that, each individual had to choose what they were going to do. So although God promised the Israelites that, yes, this is the promised land, and you, this is the land I have given you, and this is for you, each individual had a part to play in accepting that and receiving that gift from the Lord. And likewise, you know, as, as we're in this season here at Grace Covenant Church, we believe God has calling us to a different future, that there's some things ahead that for which we need to prepare. That calling corporately has individual implications. And so each of us has to decide how we're going to respond to that and how we're going to participate with that. And likewise, the sermons, there's three sermons that encompass this two-week period, last week, then today, and the next week. They speak to the greater community. Here's what God is saying to us as a congregation, as three congregations with one church. Um, But within that, each of us, you and me, have to decide what's my role in that and what's my part to play. How am I going to respond? I then also spent some time last week talking about why I believe... Statesville, of the three campuses, Statesville will have the highest participation rate in this process, in this uh, initiative to raise this money. Now, I didn't commit us to having the highest dollar amount. Take a breath. We're okay there. But I do believe fully that we're going to have the highest participation rate simply because of just who we, how we see ourselves. And I, I spent some time talking about um, what we see in the church in Acts, um, specifically in the, in the city of Antioch, how their behaviors, what they did, and how they responded in certain situations. And like them, I just really believe that God is doing something very special among us here in Statesville, and that requires a response by us. And like the people in Antioch, we understand what it means to benefit from the larger group, to be part of something that's bigger than us, and then the role we play as members of that group. And towards that end, and I asked everyone last week, my, my call, my challenge was to actually take time to learn, read the brochure, understand what the project was. We have information meetings um, with a free dinner uh, for you to attend. And uh, so two of them were last week. We've got two coming up, one on Thursday. That will be in East Lincoln. And then on Friday, there'll be another information meeting on the Cornelius campus. And that's all in your worship guide. Uh, if you want to register and sign up for one of those uh, meetings, we, we'd encourage you to do that just to learn and to educate yourself as to what this, camp, this, this whole process is all about. Now, if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to actually go back and listen to the, to the audio there on the website. Um, and I'll even save you some time. Go to the 12-minute mark and listen for eight minutes. So I'm only asking eight minutes. You know, so I think I had like a 25-minute sermon. So eight minutes, 
beginning at the 12-minute mark, we'll, uh, we'll mark the times that I think would be very helpful for you to listen to. So, something else we discussed last week is that to be positioned to embrace the great future that God has for us, we have to prepare today for what God will do tomorrow. So, yes, we have this vision of the future that requires us to do something today in order to get to tomorrow. And that's what this two-week initiative is all about, preparing to get us to where we need to be. So, here's the thing. Even though God may, in fact, ordain the opportunity in front of you, it will always be beyond your resources and beyond your ability to obtain it. How many of you have encountered that in your life? You feel very clear that this is the direction God has called me. I have no doubt about that, but I have no clue as to how I'm going to get there, how I'm going to get it done. But that's just part of what God does. We take the step of faith, and God provides the two go hand in hand. God can't provide unless we take the step of faith. When we take the step of faith, God will provide. God will do his part. We must do our part. This initiative, this two-week initiative, will culminate next week when we will have a chance to receive your pledges um, and actual financial gifts. And uh, again, I'll, I'll address some of that here in just uh, a little bit. Now, our message for this morning, or the passage from which I'll be looking at this morning, should be, it's, it's, a, it's one that should be familiar to most of you. It's Jesus feeding the 5,000. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, um, or if you uh, don't want to follow online, uh, we're looking at John chapter 6. Uh, did you know that this story, the account of Jesus feeding the 5,000, is the only story that's accounted for in all four Gospels? So every other story that's a book, you know, Jesus and the miracles, everything might be in three, but it's not in the fourth, or it might be in two or two, but this is the only one where we see it in all four, which to me is significant. To me, that's uh, something to take note of. So if you have your Bibles, and, uh, or again, if you want to just follow along the screen. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that it is anointed and empowered by your Holy Spirit. 
Lord, I, I thank you for the opportunity to now to, to dive in a little bit and reflect more on this passage and what it means for us today. Even though this incident happened a couple thousand years ago, the truth of this message rings strong uh, for us, uh, just as strong, if not stronger in some instances. So, Father, we just commit the rest of our time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, a couple thoughts, a couple notes from this passage. Um, if you can pull up verse 1 again. I'm going to walk through a couple of these just to point out a few things. Um, sometime after this, Jesus crossed the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. Um, what's interesting is, is the other three Gospels, when they're recounting this story, immediately preceding this is when we hear of John the Baptist being beheaded. So the idea that's conveyed in the other three Gospels is that the reason why he crossed and, what, and clearly what's implicated in those stories is that he needed to get away to collect his thoughts was kind of the implication, that that. The, the, you know, the news of this happening was, was very troubling. And to get away and to regroup and regather, he pulled away. And that's why they crossed to the other side, the Sea of Galilee. Um, verse, uh, go to verse 4, please. The Jewish Passover feast was near. No one knows why that verse is there. I mean, it has no relevance to the story. It's just one of these odd things. Now, there's a couple theories as to why that's there. One is that John, so they're speculating that John was writing to a Jewish audience. Therefore, to connect Jesus to his Jewish tradition and Jewish history just was it's a helpful little way of you know, validating uh, this story to the audience he was um, writing to. The other theory, that's, and that's one I actually like, and I think it's what's here, is that the upcoming festival is the reason for the large crowds. And now, so my Charlotte equivalent would be the Coca-Cola 600 that is in a few days. Okay, now I get it. You know, you stay off the roads, you stay, you, you don't go to Concord if you can avoid it, you know, at that time period because of all the people. So that's why, that's the reason why that's there because it really doesn't have any impact on the story itself. So, uh, verse 5. So when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, um, this is the only place um, where Jesus is the first one to respond. In the other ones, the disciples actually initiate the conversation. They all say, Jesus, look at all these people. It's dinner time. It's late. Send them away so they can go get something to eat. In John's account, Jesus is the one that recognizes the situation and actually begins to and actually puts a, a plan uh, in play. And then in verse 6, that's not there. What's verse 6? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Uh, this is the only account where, this is, where we're given this information. Uh, again, the, this, that, the, the suggestion that this was a test. In verse 7, Philip is identified as one of the, the disciples, and the other accounts talk about the disciples, plural. The disciples were given this. The disciples said that. They did this. So here's the only place where we get specificity as to um, the, the disciples involved. Um, then verse 8, Andrew is identified again as the one who, who um, found the bread and the fish. And then verse 9, we learn that it, this bread and fish came from a little boy. We don't get this detail in any of the accounts. It just All we know is that someone found the bread and fish, and, and, and then Jesus multiplied it there. So while that is just some insight into the text, um, some of the things that are, that are there, the situation was this, the broader situation. The disciples 
or panicking. They're getting a little antsy, getting a little nervous because the number of, of people that were there. And we know from the other gospel accounts that it was late. It was dinner time and people were hungry. And in the midst of all this, Jesus recognized that this was a, 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 one of those moments where, where, where multiple things could be accomplished. That he saw an opportunity to grow the faith of the disciples. He also saw this as an opportunity to meet the physical, tangible needs of people. And it was also an opportunity for him to validate or prove his divine authority. All these things could be done at the same time. So let me share some thoughts about what I think it means within this passage, what it means to prepare for the miraculous. Uh, First thought is this. Crowds show up wherever Jesus is present. Crowds show up wherever Jesus is present. People are looking for the love of Jesus. People are looking for the power of Jesus. And people are looking for the peace of Jesus. They were then, 2,000 years ago, They are today too. People are looking. That's one of the things that we talk about constantly in our our meetings is that when it comes to putting on, I'll I'll just use these words, when it comes to putting on a show, we can't compete with our culture. You you go to concerts or what's on TV, there's this, and and so we don't try. We, We want things to be professional. We want things to be contemporary. We want things to be relevant. But there's no interest on our part to compete for people's attention. We can't win that competition. Here's what we have, though, that no one else has. Those are divine encounters with the living God. And when we can bring people face-to-face with a living God, and when people can encounter Jesus and find hope and health and healing and find peace and power, all these things, their lives are transformed. The story of Grace Covenant is that kind of a story. Over the years, hundreds, if not thousands of people's lives have been transformed and changed, made different because they've encountered Jesus Christ in our midst. The disciples, ironically, they wanted Jesus to send the people away, send them away so they can get food. But Jesus said, no, 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 we want the people here. We want the people here. Let's take care of their needs. Let's meet them. Let's let them encounter the divine here and now. We need to embrace the challenge God puts in front of us. If the challenge is from him, you can be certain he's going to provide the resources to get there. And you can be certain it's going to be quite a show. It's going to be quite an event. That's my first thought. My second thought is this. Jesus presents us with situations to grow our faith and reveal his greatness. Um, Some years ago... um, there was a, uh, I was, during one of my, uh, during a season of my ministry career, I was uh, the missions pastor at a church. And so I oversaw all of the local and global initiatives and projects. And we had a number of short-term teams going out. And this one particular Sunday, I had announced, all right, here, for the upcoming year, here are the, here are the, the trips, here are the teams we're sending out. And um, it was, it's a pretty exciting thing when we just see what, what God was a, Allow was doing through us uh, as we would, would serve different parts of the world. So anyways, it was after church, and I'm actually in the, out in the parking lot getting ready to get in my car, and a, one of the women from my church you know, comes running across and says, hey, I need to talk to you, and begins to share that she just felt really compelled that she was to go on one of the specific teams. She said, but here's the thing. I'm a single mom. 
When I don't work, I don't get paid. I have no money. I have no idea how I can do this, but this is, I just feel God has wanted me to do this. And so my response to her was, was simply this. Why don't you just fill out the application and see what happens? You know, it wasn't this bold declaration of faith. It wasn't as if God had said, here's what's going to happen. Uh, let's just fill out the application and see what happens. Take that first step. If you believe God has said to do this, take that step and see what happens. So I see her uh, probably actually a month later, and uh, this particular team had, had actually come back by that point in time. And uh, not only did she go on the trip, she actually raised more money than anyone else on that team. And, and what was cool for me wasn't the fact that she had this experience. What was significant for me was that forever, for the rest of her life, her perception of God's ability to provide for her was forever changed. Forever, she would look at the, the ability of God to provide for her differently. It was no longer this theoro- theological or theoretical concept about God providing. She had lived it. God had provided for her in a very tangible, specific way, simply because she took that step. She had no idea how it was going to work out. But had she not filled out that application, it never would have happened, and her life would have been very different in this regard. See, I'm convinced that Jesus is more concerned about who we are becoming than what we have or what we can give. Our goal through the challenge of this initiative, our goal through the challenge of life, is to become more like Christ. In that process, we find ourselves being stretched, and we find ourselves in situations that are uncomfortable. But in the midst of that, we encounter a living God. So that's my second um, thought about... um, preparing for the miraculous. Third, big challenges cause us to lose sight of our big God. We, uh, Betsy and I had only been married uh, man, probably a year, very early on in our marriage, and uh, we had just recently moved to Pittsburgh. I was uh, one of, part of the youth staff there at the church, and uh, we needed a second car. It was just our work schedules and things. It just wasn't working for us to have one car anymore. And we had been saving. We had saved uh, what at the time we thought was a good amount of money and would have bought us a decent used car. Right about the time we were going to pull the trigger on getting a car, I was challenged uh, internally. There was an internal challenge that I need to give the money away. And... Uh, but, but, you know, but wait, this is money for a car. And, and uh, Betsy and I talked and prayed about this for two weeks. Two weeks of us just wrestling with this, what this means. And, and I've also learned early on that if God spoke something to me, he's going to speak to Betsy too. I never had to force a course here. I said, Are this, we're in this together. Here's what I'm sensing and feeling. And so we just continued to talk about it until we both came to the place this is what we need to do. I remember it vividly. It was yesterday. It was a Wednesday night. I wrote out the check. And I mailed it on my way in to the office the next day, Thursday morning. So first thing in the morning, I'm meeting with one of the other youth pastors there um, in, the, in the office. And halfway through our meeting, the senior pastor walks through and says, someone just gave the, a car to the church. Do you know anyone who can use it? And I said, I think I do. I got an idea. 
It was my favorite car I've ever owned. It was an old Datsun B210 hatchback, three-speed. It was perfect for someone to work with junior high kids because you had to start it with a screwdriver. <laughs> so, anyways, so I called Betsy and gave her the news, and I knew I married the right woman when her response was, what else can we give away? <laughs> and that's been kind of our thing for all of our married life. Whenever there's that internal challenge, This is what we need to do because we experience this amazing demonstration of God's faithfulness. It's just made us realize that we can't even sometimes understand how he might solve it, but he always has and always does. See, the human tendency is to get paralyzed in analysis and responding in faith. That's why it took us two weeks. Yeah, those of you who know me, that's, that's my weak spot. It's, it's the paralysis by analysis. I, I want to make sure we've considered all the angles and implications and ramifications of what this is going to do. And we tend to sometimes have a tendency of look at what we have rather than look at the one who made what we have. We let what we cannot do keep us from what we can do. Sometimes the big challenges cause us to lose sight of our big God. And then lastly, Jesus does the miraculous when we partner faith with action. It was the sacrificial generosity of the young boy that opened the way for the miraculous multiplication. I've often wondered what that looked like when Philip and the boy were talking. You know, it's like, hey, kid, give me your lunch, you know, uh, or, or, you know, or what if the boy said no? You know, his mom said, hey, watch out for people trying to steal your lunch. Don't let it go. And and he said, no, I'm not, you know, you know, what was that dynamic? What was that exchange like? I would have loved to have been there. But think about that boy as he grew up recounting the story for the rest of his life of what Jesus did with his lunch. Can you imagine that? How cool that would have been? Hey, I remember you hear that story? The woman that's in only in all four Gospels? That was me. That was me with the lunch. I was part of that. He would have missed that. He would have missed that whole experience had he held on to his lunch tightly and not been willing to share. It makes me wonder if maybe Philip had talked to other people who had lunches with them and they all said no. Did they miss out on this encounter, miss an experience? You see, God will never force you to take a step of faith. You will feel the tug of the Holy Spirit deep within you, but you can resist the tug. You can resist the tug. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, there are two times in my life where I did resist that tug. Circumstances were incredibly challenging, And I vividly recall saying to God, say, Lord, I don't have enough faith right now to give this. Those are my exact words. I don't have enough faith to give this. Now, there was no condemnation. There's no judgment. God didn't punish me. That's not how he works. That's, 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 That's not it at all. But in the back of my mind, I'm always wondering, what did I miss? Had I done that, had my faith been such that I took that step, might God have provided for us in ways that today we're telling that story. This is what happened when we took that step. 
So if you put what little you have in your hands into God's hands, he can make a lot out of a little. Some years ago, uh, I read an account of a woman who was um, attacked and killed in broad daylight in a public in a city. There were 30 witnesses to the event, and no one did anything. Um, there were all kinds of articles condemning the behavior or the lack of behavior on the people, you know, saying that you know, this is an indication of the decline of our society, and how could these people not do that? And it was... It was it was really a, a very tragic situation made worse by the response of the peop- of the lack of response of 30 people, 30 witnesses. <clears throat> what came out later, though, however, was that they interviewed those 30 people or over the course of time as their stories came out. What became known, though, was what social um, sociologists and social scientists have, and, and behavioral scientists have long known, and that's individuals behave differently in groups. And what they discovered is that no one called the police, no one tried to do anything because each and every one of those 30 people assumed someone else in the group had already done so. When you have a group that size, it's very easy to say, I don't need to do that, someone else will. And that's the danger with groups. We can assume that someone else will pick up the challenge. This initiative to raise $10 million, it's a huge task. And each of us needs to do our part. Now, I could mention inside your worship guide, you'll have this. It's, it's, uh, it's your pledge card. Uh, now, you can actually make it a pledge over the course of you know, monthly, quarterly, annually, over the next four years. You can make it a one-time gift. It's really between you and your family and what situations you find yourselves. Um, and so what we're asking, I'm asking, is um, take this home if you don't have one already. Tape it to your, your bathroom mirror so you'll see it when you're brushing your teeth at least once a day for a few seconds. Um, but then just pray, God, what is it you would have me do? What would you have us do? If you're married, talk it over with your spouse. You can, you can make a pledge. Again, you can make a one-time gift uh, and offering. Um, you can do this online as well. Um, so we want to do whatever we can to make this as easy and convenient for you uh, to participate. Um, and again, my challenge is entirely that um, this is between you and God. You're not going to hear any coercion or, or from us beyond what you've already heard to this point. This is between you and the Holy Spirit. Um, but just so you know, that the, a week ago, the leaders of Grace Covenant Church were asked to lead in this endeavor. And so they've asked, I'll go ahead. And, and as of last night, uh, the word I got that there's been just shy of $1 million received and or pledged so far. Um, so that means you just need to come up with $9 million. So we got the other covered. Everyone gets to participate in something like this. This is what's cool. If we we're back, this is the feeding of the 5,000. We all get to bring our lunches and watch what Jesus does with it. The fact is, the little lunch shouldn't have fed that much. Even if, even if he had 1,000 lunches, that wouldn't have been enough for all those people. We bring what we can. We give what we can. We do what we can and to trust God to do that. But everyone gets to participate. Don't miss out on what God might do in your life because of this. God is able to do the miraculous. 
He is. And I think all of us believe that. I don't think any of us would struggle with that. But he does that when we put our faith into action. You have to take that step of faith. God is able to do the miraculous when we respond in obedience. <coughs> Excuse me. My only request in all this is that you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And God is able to do the miraculous when we act with generosity. When we do this, our place of greatest challenge becomes God's place of greatest provision as we put our trust in him and take the next step. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, thank you for your word. Thank you for, thank you for the willingness of that little boy to share his lunch. Um, I don't know how old, whether he was, uh, was 8, 15, or 22. Um, but Father, clearly this is an individual that was willing to share. And because of that, he was able to observe you do something amazing. Lord, each of us are faced with a similar challenge. We see the needs of the larger group. Each of us have a part to play in meeting that need. Father, I ask that, that you would speak to each of us about how we're to respond and what we're to do. What is our part in that? And if we each do our own little part, you will make up the gap and you will provide in ways that we never imagined. So Father, again, I'm just thankful that we have this opportunity today to be a part of your kingdom work here on earth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.